It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field. Going back, Hernandez at the track, right to the wall. Gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field. Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone. Oh, Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. We are live from Ricky Henderson Field here at the Coliseum, getting you ready for the final homestand of the year. A three-game set, three games left here at the Coliseum, and you won't see the A's again till 2022 as the Athletics are taking on the Houston Astros for three. Get out here tonight. It's fireworks night, of course, we do fireworks better than anybody. Nobody does fireworks like the Oakland Athletics where they allow you to come out of the stands. They allow you to go on the field. It doesn't get any better than that. Our last firework night of the season. We're going to have Chris Bassett showing up anytime soon. That's going to be hopefully in the next couple minutes. Former athletic and broadcaster for the Houston Astros, Steve Sparks. Sparksy, friend of the program, will be here at 445. And then we'll have David Force, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics, at 5 o'clock. And at some point, Kendall Graveman, now Houston Astro, is going to join us here on A's Cast Live. I just saw Kendall probably about a minute ago hanging out with Dallas Braden. Uh, they were behind the... Behind the batting cage, so at some point, Kendall will make his way over. And i got to tell you, very odd seeing Kendall Graveman in Houston Astros gear. Commander Cody, you were just given a signed ball. Yeah, this is this is me doing work for you. This is for the, the young fan, Ray, who wanted the Marte ball. Yes. I got, I got it taken care of for you. Thank you. I'm going to give it to his uh, aunt tonight at the ball game. So there you go. Starling Marte signed a ball. So when I make promises, I deliver. Yeah, it's true. Well, I deliver. But. <laughs> well, we had we had a young kid. What was the I, – I don't remember the entire story. Uh, so I guess Marte threw him a ball on his birthday. Um, I don't know if it was in, in like just coming off the field or in the outfield, but he threw him a ball, and uh, I guess he called him the post game one day, and you told him that you would give, get the ball signed for him, and that was like a month ago, and here we are. We got the ball for him, and we got a different ball signed for him, so we got him a Marte uh, autograph ball. So it's a brand new ball. Yeah, it's not the ball that he, he, got, he got from Marte, but it's a different one, but now he's going to have two balls from Marte, one signed. Wow. Great job, Commander Cody. You came, came up big for me. Yeah, well, it's what I do here. I put out <laughs> fires. And you also put down a lot of bad information. I mean, I'm looking at the, today's playbook that you put together, and it's just – it's depressing. 
That's not bad information. It's just depressing information. It's depression. It's depressing. A's play the A's playoff odds, according to Fangraphs. Should I read it? Um, they probably already know what it is. Zero point two percent. Zero point two. I I I can't spin that, and I'm a spin master, and I can't spin that. I mean, it's basically where we are. Unfortunately, this ship is sunk. You're not there. There's just. So much would have to happen for you. First of all, you got to win every game, and everybody above you's got to basically lose every game. Well, who plays this weekend? That would be the Yankees and the Sox. Yeah, the rivalry's back, baby. The Yankees don't have a very easy schedule remaining, by the way. The Yankees got to play the Sox, the Jays, and the Rays to end the season. Well, the Rays will probably well the division yeah. locked up, and but Cashy's not going to lay down for anyone. Cashy, I'll, you want me to send Cashy a text? I'll tell him to sweep those guys for us. They probably are going to be aligning their playoff roster and their rotation. So I don't know, but it's just all that reality is all that doesn't matter, and that's the sad thing, is that. We could sit here and talk about everybody's schedule. We could break down Toronto. We could break down Boston. We could break down New York. We could break down the Mariners. What does it matter if you're not going to win? I mean, it, it. you won five games in a row. You come back home, and you allow the Mariners to sweep you in a four-game set for the first time in Mariners history. Mariners had never swept a four-game set here in Oakland. They'd never done that. Mariners have won nine straight versus the A's. Like, I'd love to sit here on this field right now looking at these players and, and have, like, a, a different outlook on what's going on. But the reality is the reality. They have lost 10 of 12 at the Coliseum. They're now a game under 500 in division. They're 4-12 and 12 against Seattle. They're 4-9 and nine against Houston. They've been outscored by the Astros going into this game, 81 to 46. And there's something about the Astros, knowing that the A's were one of the main complainers about the cheating scandal. There's something about the Astros when they see the A's, their eyes light up. And they're like, these two franchises don't like each other. And the A's haven't been able to stand up to the Houston Astros so far since the playoffs of last year to this season and they continue to struggle to score runs in two games against the Mariners they scored three runs all off three solo home runs you know they the team is what they are so it's not like you can say well you know you can turn it around here at the end of the season I mean can they get on a streak yeah but right now they've dumped four in a row and season's basically over so time left. I'm going to try to be the optimist here, even though I know find you said Find me one thing to be optimistic about. Uh, Can you find me one thing? Yeah, the tragic number is six. So they they got six games till they're eliminated from the playoff race. See, this is what I hate. You know what I hate about this? <laughs> it's like that slow death, right? It'd be better just to be mathematically out of it. Now we're talking about next year. We're looking at guys' contracts. We're starting to break down what the roster could look like next season. But No. They're still in it just enough. As you said, the tragic number is six. With nine to play. Oh. I don't, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. 
Oh, here, do you want something positive? No, I don't want it. There's nothing positive. Yeah, there's something positive. The A's don't have to face Zach Granke tonight. So he got so he's on the aisle that I think it's a neck something with his neck. So they're they're facing Brandon Bliak. I, I don't I think I'm saying his last name right. He's only making a second start of the year. So he had two starting for the Astros tonight. Granky, who you know you and I debate all the time. Uh, I think he's a Hall of Famer. You don't. Um, I that is not true. You, you you're not a Granky guy. I feel like I feel like Mike Gundy. That is not true. I'm a man. I'm 40. Well, he's almost 40. So. Um, but, no, I, I, now that Grinky's gotten over the 70, right? He's over 70 war at this point. Yeah, he's. Once he went over 70, it's hard to debate that. He is at, let's see, I'll pull up his baseball reference page right now. Grinky's at 73.1. Yeah, he's, if you're, if you're, my threshold for sure, if you're over 70, you're a Hall of Famer. So that's not true. You're fake news saying that I don't think he's a Hall of Famer anymore. Hashtag well, fake news. Well, I still think he, I mean, he's close to 2,000 strikeouts, too. He's only about 200. He's 194 away from 3,000. What was Mucina's war when he got in? Mucina was, was. It was like right around 70. Uh, yeah, remember, he's never won a sigh, never won anything. Mucina was, actually, he was 82.8. Ooh. With 200, I'm, I'm 12 off. 200, 270 career wins. Granky. Is that 219 career wins, but a 3.41 ERA? Mucinas is a 3.68 ERA. You know the thing for for putting Grinky on the IL is that just you know what? Let's just rest him for the playoffs. I mean that that's kind of what it looks like. You can say he's got a neck, and he may have a neck, but putting Grinky on the IL with this many games left, you're you're basically putting him on the shelf for the postseason. Now, for the A's, is that good news? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, you got the right guy on the hill tonight, Frankie Montas. But at this point, for the A's, you have to even think about being in contention. You have to win every single game. That means sweeping a three-game set against the Houston Astros, going on the road, sweeping a three-game set in Seattle, and then – finishing the season, sweeping the Houston Astros. Now, if they're on the road, if there was any scenario that you might buy, I could buy the A's winning three at the end of the year against the Astros. I don't know if they're, you know, I don't know where they are best record in the American League. Where are the Astros compared to the other guys? Uh, The Astros, I think the Astros, when it comes to their record, I think they're two wins behind. The Rays have 94 wins. I think the Astros have 92, so they're two wins behind. And in the last column, the Rays have 59, the Astros have 62. So they're three behind. In the lot. Actually, the Astros only have 91, so they're three behind. Yeah, they're not close. Yes, and they got to play the A's, and I forget who they play after after us. This so, weekend. I mean, technically, if you want to say they're still playing for something, the Astros, they're playing for the best record in the American League. I don't know what the tiebreaker would be. Would the tiebreaker just be Tampa versus Houston straight up? And I don't know how they did against each other. But look at the difference between the Houston Astros and the Oakland Athletics. The Houston Astros are 47 and 23 in division. 43 and 27. A's 33 and 34. I mean, right there is all you need to know. What the A's have done in division and what they've done against teams with a record of 500 or better 
is why the A's are where they are at 82 and 71. Four game was it nine to play? Four games back of the second wild card with nine to play. Yeah, if you look at it, the Astros are 43 and 31 versus teams 500 or better. Uh, Oakland, 28 and 48. 20 games under. 20 games under. That's just, that. that's, you know. The, the thing that gets me is the home record. A team that's known for being a very good home team is 40 and 38 at home. Now, their worst home record ever under Bob Melvin since Bob has been the manager. I didn't count his half year or whatever in 2011. So from 2012 till now, in 2015 and 2016, they went 34 and 47. Right now, they're 40 and 38. So they can they, still realistically finish with a losing record. Yeah, they got to win this series. Yeah. Or, you, just, or, or you, just win one game and you have a winning record at home. <laughs> but if you punt three games just like you did four games, can you – I mean, it's just I, – I, I don't know what it is. I don't know why they just all of a sudden went south. They absolutely just went south. You, you mentioned it – when I mean, we talked about it a lot this year, about teams – you know, they're very streaky. They won five in a row. They've now lost four in a row. Now, can they win four in a row again? Probably, yes, they could. But they, but they could very easily go on a, a long losing streak just, just as easily as they can go on a long winning streak. It's, every team is very streaky. The only team that, that – there's only two teams in baseball that, are, that have been – actually, only one team that's not really had a long losing streak. It's been the Giants. The Giants have been the only team. They've had a winning month every single month, and they have not had a long losing streak. Other than that, I mean, even the Dodgers have gone through a lull here during the season. So, other than the Giants. Well, everybody in the American League. I mean, there was, yeah. a, there was a point where. Tampa wasn't very good at one point. Tampa was on a long losing streak. And they, they went from being in first place to just dropping it to, like, third. And then they got hot again. I mean, the Yankees are a great example of a team that won 13 straight. And everybody thought they were going to run away and hide. Like, oh, here the Yankees have finally found it. And then they started losing again. All right, coming up next, hopefully we're going to have Chris Bassett. We're also going to talk to Steve Sparks at 445, David Force at 5 o'clock, and at some point our old friend Kendall Graveman will stop by right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend for my favorite golf course in the Bay Area, Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Tucked in the beautiful hills of San Jose, Cinnabar Hills offers the finest 27 holes of championship golf in Silicon Valley. Come see the amazing new renovated clubhouse and restaurant, plus patio dining with the most breathtaking views. Cinnabar Hills is far more than a golf course. One of the premier places in the Bay Area to host weddings and any type of events. There's no golf experience like Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Go to CinnabarHills.com. That's CinnabarHills.com. This is Ace Fan and the creator of the Balfour Rage, Rightfield Will. You're listening to Ace Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Ah, the great Rightfield Will. I didn't know he, he he claims to be the creator of the Balfour Rage. That's what Twitter says, and I believe everything I read on Twitter. I do too. Now, is that copyrighted? Is that... Again, I believe everything I read on Twitter. You're just you're, you're just taking Twitter for its word. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm like Jim Harbaugh. It's on the internet. It must be true. Hypotheticals. You know what? I know I was a little negative last segment. I'm going to give you a positive. If I can be a ray of sunshine right now for you, it is a spectacular day here at the Coliseum, and firework night is going to be awesome. No one does fireworks better than the Oakland Athletics. 
And you know what? The bottom line, all you can do now is go out and win. That's And, and Grinky's not on the mound, so I, I, I don't even know who this guy is who's pitching tonight. And you're saying he's got how many career starts? Uh, this is his second start this year. Um, but is this a – is he career starter? Is he a reliever? He's more of a reliever. Brandon uh, Belak is his name. He's a 25-year-old starter. So uh, we're, we're – 11th round draft pick from the Astros in 2017. So we're looking at a bullpen game? Uh, could be. He's only made one start this year. He's pitched in 47 innings. He's a 4-2-1 ERA. He's 3-3 three and three this year. 3-3 three and three last year for the Astros. So – he made his debut last year. So he might have been one of those guys that was pitching. Remember how many guys that uh, Blummer told us was pitching in the you know low A that they called up last year? I, the, the name sounds familiar. I think he pitched against the A's last year. Well, let's pull up, let's pull up the old game logs from 2020. Yeah. So last year they had so many injuries that our buddy Jeff Blum, the Cal Bear, the World Series hero, said they were bringing up guys who. I mean, they never saw these guys at spring training. They were so – these guys were like an, an A-ball that they had guys pitching last year during the COVID 2020 season. Uh, he's He pitched in one game versus the A's last year in relief. He pitched an inning, gave up two hits, get no runs. And uh, that was on, in Houston on September 10th. So that's when he last pitched. Yeah, well, I, I, I remember the name. But, yeah, behind Frankie Montas today, yeah – what what will be what will be truly interesting about tonight's game is you're running out of time. If Frankie's got it going, how long will they keep him in there? Because remember last time they end up winning in Anaheim by the skin of their teeth because the bullpen came in after Frankie, who had only 87 pitches, and they took him out. And after the game, we heard he was tired. And you're like, you know, where you are today, you got 87 pitches in the seventh inning. I, I think you got to expect him to go out there in the eighth. Last game of the year, Chris. Can't hold anything back. What do you say? What what what, what are we saving it for? I should have pulled that drop from the water boy with, with Brent Musburger and uh, Dan Fouts. It's the last game of the year, Brent. Can't hold anything back. I mean, this is it. I mean, it was it yesterday, and it was it the day before and the day before that. Remember we were talking about, oh, yeah, you got to take three of four from Seattle. Three of four? It's going to win a game. Three of four? You got swept in a four-game set. Is it, is it uh, too cliche to say that this is a, wait for it, must-win game? Uh, if there was ever a must-win <laughs> game, I think this is the game. Wow, Chris Davis just launched one into the uh, luxury boxes in, on Mount Davis. Yeah, this has been just a really – it's been a really strange year. It's really kind of hard to explain. I think when we look back and we kind of, you know, delve into it in the offseason, when you think of everything that is going on, when you think that, you know, we're still dealing with a pandemic, the pandemic is still raging around, we're, we're – we're giving vaccination shots here inside the stadium. At one point, we had FEMA outside of the ballpark giving jabs constantly. You know, you just think about just, you know, coming off of 2020, but 2021 is still bad. You know, there's the talk of, you know, is this thing going to get done in Oakland? Is Howard Term Terminal going to work? You know, you wonder about that. 
You know, now the talk of Las Vegas, you know, about this team, the team's future, now the speculation on, on Billy Bean, on Bob Melvin. This has just been a really weird year and at times not, not very positive. And I wonder how much did this weigh on this team? Because it can't be good. Liam Hendricks came out and he said it. And we've never really talked to the players about it. But Liam Hendricks said, yeah, the ballpark stuff does kind of become a distraction after a while. And everybody knows that this place, built 1966, and it's outlived its, its, its uh, purpose. It's definitely time for a new stadium. You know, everybody in the big leagues has a new stadium unless you have a classic ballpark, which would be Wrigley Field or Fenway Park. But, you know, other than Tampa and Oakland, everybody has a new stadium. And Tampa Stadium, having been there before in St. Petersburg, that place is terrible. Terrible. And the Braves have had how many new ballparks in the last 30, 20 years? Three? So they went from Fulton County Stadium. To Turner Field. The house of uh, our, our man Dale Murphy. Yeah. Turner Field, which was it was like Olympic. That's where they hosted the Olympic yeah. Games. That's where the opening and closing ceremonies were. And then once the Olympics were. See, that is smart, what they did in Atlanta. They built a stadium. And because so many of these places where they host the Olympics, whether it's whether it's summer or or winter games, they build all these facilities, and once the Olympics leave, those fill those facilities go to go to crap because they don't get used. That was the one where it was really smart, where they built that park for the opening and closing ceremonies, and then after they did a little construction and turned it into the Braves Field, where they had such great success, where they won what. 14 straight divisions. They won a World Series, played in multiple World Series. But yeah, I mean, Texas. Texas is now, they're going to be, they're in their second ballpark. Yeah. I mean, we can't get a ballpark built. And we've talked about it a lot, and we've, I've had to address it on A's Cast Live with, with fans calling in. It's just the reality, it is really tough to build in the state of California. It really is. You can ask the LA Rams. You can ask the San Diego Chargers. You can ask the Los Angeles Clippers. You can ask the, Sacram uh, the Sacramento Kings. You can ask the 49ers. You can ask the Warriors. Building where you want to build in California is not easy. And what the A's are dealing with right now, and there's so many rumors out there of, like, what's going on. You know, the bottom line is this. When I see a piece of paper, a binding document that's got Oakland and it's got the A's on it and the county's then going to vote on it, then I'll start to believe. That's when I'll start to believe we're really going to make this thing happen. And I got to tell you, watching yesterday, it was really emotional and it was an honor to watch you pitch yesterday. Chris Bassett joins us here on A's Cast Live. And uh, what you went through and everything and what you put on Twitter last night was, was very inspirational. And I, I just can't say congratulations enough. for. And it's great to see. It's yeah. been a while. How are you? Good. I'm good. Hanging in there. What was that like for you, your family, to get back on that mound? Yeah. Uh, I feel like it wasn't uh, as emotional for me as I would say like my family kind of thing. It just 
one of those things where it happened. It's part of the game, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, I was more so upset, kind of thing, over the last month. How things have kind of went, um, and obviously our pitching kind of struggling a little bit, and our bullpen kind of being abused a little bit, and knowing I could have kind of put a stop to that a little bit, and not being able to. That was that was the worst part, I think. What did it feel like when you were out there? It was good, uh, honestly. My my training with obviously Nick and the doctors and everything, how we've kind of orchestrated being in shape, staying in shape. Uh, it was a lot easier than I think people think, and just from the aspect of how how good everyone's handled this, from the front office to obviously Nick to Cuffy to everyone. Um, in Chicago with the doctors and stuff like that. So um, everyone basically needed to be perfect, and I, I, I truly, truly, genuinely believe everyone was. You know what I love about you? It's like like the day after you're like, I'm coming back, I'm pitching, I'm going to yeah. be back. And a lot of people went, nah, that's not going to happen. Right. I mean, a lot of people didn't believe you'd be back this year. What does that mean to you that you did make that happen? I, yeah, I knew it was. Um, I, uh, once we had it kind of cleaned up, after surgery, um, I, did, I, I knew for an absolute fact I was going to be back. That, that, was, that wasn't even a doubt in my mind anymore. Um, when it happened, uh, I thought, I honestly thought this, my career might be done. Um, I wasn't able to like see out of my right eye kind of thing. Um, my eye was basically like, locked in one place because of some bone fragments that were in there. But uh, overall, um, once... Once the doctors did what they did, I, I knew for a fact I was I was I was gonna be back. So when at like at what point? Because I know you saw a plastic surgeon. I know you're yeah. dealing with a lot. You were definitely in great hands. Like at what point did you realize? Okay, I'm gonna be okay. Uh, after surgery, after like I, I, I didn't I didn't really understand quite to the extent of how much stuff was kind of uh, messed up um, until I had a CT scan the day before. Uh, my surgery, and they kind of walked me through everything they needed to do. Um, and then I realized this is a little bit more serious than I kind of think or kind of thought. Um, so, yeah, once once I got out of surgery and they said everything went well um, and I was able to see and able to move my eye and everything like that, I, I knew I knew we were good. We were good. Yeah, because you even had like a plate put on your jaw, right? There's Yeah, I got, I got some – I got a little bit of titanium in my face. <laughs> uh, it's uh, – it's a. Uh, it's gonna be fun going through metal detectors, I think. So, um, yeah, airports might be a little bit of a. What the hell are you hiding in your face kind of thing? So yesterday, you know, a lot of people are like, we want to see him keep going, and like sometimes, you know, in sports, the medical personnel has to save athletes from themselves. Mm -hmm. But the way you're feeling yesterday, do you think you could have gone a little longer? Yeah, I mean, there's, there wasn't really much debate. I could have easily went longer, but at the same time. Um, when, like what's what's the what's the line that you kind of draw that it's not worth the risk at what point? Um, and Bomel and Emo and David and Nick all said that was it was three innings. Um, I only threw two innings in LA to to prep myself for that start. And they said obviously with adrenaline and all that, you're going to be throwing a lot harder than you were in LA yeah. and stuff like that. So the risk is not worth the reward um, of you throwing five six innings kind of thing. So. Again, I think what they chose was the right right choice, the right answer for everything. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think I could have went longer. But, again, I, I, 
I also could have left that game hurt if I did. Well, you know, the good thing is that you don't remember it. Yeah. And you haven't seen, like, God, no, you don't want to watch the highlight. There's no, no reason to watch the highlight. Right. But, you know, the one thing that, you know, I, I look back, because it's very rare that we see EMTs come onto the field. That's something mm -hmm. we normally don't see. But I think the one thing that came out of it is you know how much people love you, whether yeah. it's your teammates, this fan base, the manager. Just talk us through everybody who reached out to you to let you know how much they care about you. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I, I think there was two places, if that was ever going to happen to me, I think there was two places I would want that to happen. It would be here just because my family would be here. Obviously, I know everyone here. Or it'd be the or it'd be Chicago um, again because everyone there knew me um, right when it happened. Uh, luckily, Liam's wife was there and grabbed my wife, who was there, my family, and all security and basically their front office was like, "Let's go, like, follow you back." So they met me in the ambulance. They knew I was all right. So that was kind of a big sigh of relief. But then, I mean, I had. My former uh, athletic trainer down there with me, uh, rehab assistant down there with me that were, were still with the White Sox. Um, so they're in the ambulance with me with Nick. So, yeah, when things happen like that, you really, you really find out how close the baseball community really is. And obviously me playing with them, knowing everyone, um, I knew I was in great hands. I mean, the owner of the White Sox, the owner of the A's, they were taking unbelievable care of me and – I couldn't be more thankful for that. You know, when I think about coming back from Anaheim with a five-game winning streak and then losing four straight to Seattle, just it's very deflating. What's it like right now in the clubhouse? Yeah, it sucks. Uh, there's no there are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, we we I still genuinely believe we have a team to win a World Series here. Um, we just didn't get it done. Um, obviously, we have a chance. We're not going to, like, sulk in the misery and kind of thing. We're, we're going to come out and play every dang day as hard as we can. That's what Bullmel absolutely demands out of us, and that's what we're going to do. But, uh, yeah, just for, for so many reasons, we just couldn't ever put it together. When our pitching was hot, our hitting was cold. When our hitting was hot, our pitching was cold. Um, and we were never just in sync all year almost, it seemed like. So, um, that's baseball. It sucks. Uh, we were really close. Obviously, we have a chance still, but uh, yeah, there's no there's no debate that people are pissed, people are mad, um, and I think we have the right to be. I mean, we have no one to blame but ourselves. But I just, it's it, it, it's the game. It's part of it. You know, we've talked about on this show. It's kind of strange, and I don't know if it's a, a hangover or whatever from last year, 2020, which was so bizarre. Your guys' quick season. But really, everybody, especially in the American League, everybody's been streaky. No mm -hmm. one has been consistent. Not one team in the American League. And, of mm -hmm. course, you're talking about how the A's haven't been consistent. Can, can you put your thumb on it, why you think that possibly has happened? I, I just think the, the level of, of play now in baseball is so elite that when you run into a hot team, you're in trouble. Um, it's, it's that simple. And when you're not hot and the other team is, you're like – you're in trouble. Like, you just got to try to grind those wins, try to grind those games. And I feel like when we were struggling the last month, we were grinding our butts off, but it just wasn't enough. Um, we were close in all those games and just lost by one or two runs. Um, 
But again, it was against a lot of hot teams, a lot of really good teams. Our our closing stretch was our last month's schedule was hard as hell. Um, so that doesn't help. But yeah, I think overall it's just I, I I just think like I said that the the level of talent in the league now. If you're not hot, you're in trouble. And would you also say you guys now know the opponent more than ever? Yeah. No, no. I mean, with analytics and all that stuff and film and data and all that stuff, yeah. if someone has a weakness, it's going to be exploited over and over and over and over. Yeah, no question about it. Well, hey, thank you for coming out. You know what a big fan we are of you here on A's Cast Live. And uh, what do you think? What, what do you got, one more left? Yeah, I, I hope. I, I'm not sure. Um, obviously, a lot of things are in play, so – it's it's still with with everything going on. It's still um, a day to day thing. How I feel. So obviously, it came today. I feel good and have a bullpen tomorrow. We'll see how that goes. So even though I threw yesterday, we're still we're still day to day to make sure we're all we're always making the right choice here. Um, so I hope, but who knows? Well, the last two years, you have blossomed into one of the best pitchers in the American League. And it's been great to watch, and it's going to be great to watch you throughout your career with the athletics. And uh, it was inspirational yesterday. Thank you. It really was. It meant a lot. Thank you. The great Chris Bassett right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend for my favorite golf course in the Bay Area, Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Tucked in the beautiful hills of San Jose, Cinnabar Hills offers the finest 27 holes of championship golf in Silicon Valley. Come see the amazing new renovated clubhouse and restaurant, plus patio dining with the most breathtaking views. Cinnabar Hills is far more than a golf course. One of the premier places in the Bay Area to host weddings and any type of events. There's no golf experience like Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Go to CinnabarHills.com. That's CinnabarHills.com. What's going on, Oakland, California? Make some noise. It's your boy, it's Right Field James, straight out of the Right Field Bleacher Crew. You are tuned into A's Cast Live. We're going to send it over to our boy, Chris Townsend. Uh, all of our favorite fans weighing in on Fan Appreciation Weekend. Steve Sparks from the Astros, former Oakland Athletic, joins us. And I got to tell you, I thought I was your boy. Well, you do the best impersonation of me. Uh, that you know what that was? That was uh, brought to you by Kaiser Permanente. <laughs> you know they turned that they turned that into a promo. Did they really? You're doing me, yeah. So it runs all the time. <laughs> and don't tell Fozzie. I'm sorry. Yeah, don't tell Fozzie. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. What were we talking? We were talking about the scouting report down down on the farm. Your yeah, reports. I do that the fifth so, inning. So coming, we're in the Central Time Zone with the Astros. Those games are over, and I'll. And I'll Put you know Ken and Vince on and listen to the games and hear your typically six inning something like that. I do the third. I do the end of the third and the end of the fifth. Yeah, end of the fifth inning. I I typically on my way home back to my house, thirty minutes away from uh, Minute Maid Park. Uh, I'll hear your scouting report with the uh, with the baby A's. Yeah, down hey, in the hey, Arizona League. Hey, let me tell you. Nobody cares, but it's a sponsor read. You know, yeah, I, I get that it's a sponsor read. I always laugh because I, I always remember, I, I remember uh, at the Metrodome in Minnesota one time, and I read some stat about some player that was up there, and they literally had nothing to say about this guy, but they said that he was tied for fourth in sacrifice hits that year. I was going, what? That's what they had for him, tied for fourth? Yeah. And that's what your reads remind me of sometimes. <laughs> with, like so-and-so had seven RBIs in a four-game span. Because people care about the Lansing lug nuts. What, you want to you play it? I think I have it right here if you want to hear. I, I, I put it together, and I think I have it right here. Let me make sure. All right. 
Former A's knuckleballer and Astros radio analyst Steve Sparks was on A's Cast Live and did his best impression of Chris Townsend and the minor league report. All right, Vinny, before we get back, I got a little update for you. We got guys in Midland, and, and in particular, it's Tim Donahue, utility infielder. And you're not going to believe this, but it's the last six games for Donahue that stick out. How about this? He's got a homer. He's got a double. He's hitting 286 and two sacrifice flies, three RBIs. And his kitty sitting down. Make sure Korak doesn't hear this. And make sure Fossey doesn't hear it. But listen to this. Donahue now tied for fourth in sacrifice hit in the entire Texas League. What are they waiting on? You know what? I might play that today because I'm t- we're, we're out of minor league games. There you go. I got. I might just play that. Send that. Send that over to Vince to see how he reacts. <laughs> so what has been going on with the Astros? Uh, you know, it's the same stuff. I mean, it's a it's a really it, it's a machine. You know, you you watch these guys and the balance of their lineup that the they're starting to. It looked like they were bored for a little while, but right now in the last couple of series now, it looks like. Uh, they're getting more sharp focused and concentrating a little bit more and having better at bats and they look like the team that uh, we've seen the last few years so grinky going the il for me is probably just something like hey we're not going to pitch you and rest you for the postseason is that what we're looking at i think so you know if he gets a, another start uh, of four or five innings at some point before the postseason i don't feel like he's one of your top two starters in the playoffs anyway so they they've got some time to kind of see how this goes they might use him for two or three innings piggybacking one of those first two but the first two I think everybody's pretty sure it's McCullers and Fromber Valdez you know and, and you know we just keep watching this team win and then you turn around the A's so streaky so many teams have been streaky this year really mm-hmm. the entire American League I just asked Chris Bassett about it why do you think the entire American League has just been so streaky you know I think a lot of a lot of people are gassed right now you know after the short season last year and everybody was in anticipation there's only going to be two pitchers with 100 or 200 innings pitched uh, with Zach Wheeler and I think Adam Wainwright is is Montas pretty close to 200 I innings I know I know he has strikeouts but not innings. So there, I think there's only going to be two pitchers with 200. crazy? Yeah. And, and they're averaging five and a third innings pitched. They're averaging 80 pitches per game. So everybody was super careful all year long. And still, I think everybody was really tired once, once they got down to the end of things. 174 for Frankie. Okay. So he's going to fall short as well. But that's amazing. So 50, in 2005, there were 50 pitchers to throw 200 innings. I think 2019, there were, there were 15 and it, and it dwindles more and more as we keep going. So, you know, it's the third time through. You know, the the A's have been involved in a lot of these analytic, analytics with their pitchers. And, you know, I get it to an extent, but you kill these bullpens. How, how's the A's bullpen doing right now? It's a dumpster fire. Yeah. Just look down there. It's on fire. That's what I'm saying. It's terrible. You, and, and you know what scares the heck out of me is Cody has become a season ticket holder for the San Jose Giants. We both live in San Jose. Okay. So we've gone to these San Jose Giant games. We saw uh, the Grizzlies, who's the Rockies. We saw the Ports, who's our low-A team. Mm-hmm. And we were there the we were there a couple weeks ago. This left-hander is out there just cruising. He's mowing down our Stockton Ports. Then all of a sudden, here comes the manager in the fourth to take That's him out. It. I'm like, after three innings? What the hell are you taking this guy out? He's cruising. Yeah. That, that, this scares me. I know. It, it, it's changed. The game's changing. It's okay. You know, we, we want to change along with it, and we just we, I just need to learn why. 
you know, more, more cases than not. And I just think that we're going to see more cases from what we see with the Oakland A's in September if we continue to take these pitchers out with one out in the fifth and sixth inning so many nights in a row. It's hard to, it's hard to cover ten outs a game. Yeah. You just can't do that for the, the course of a full season and, and expect those guys to perform like they did in, in May and June. Looking at my book from yesterday, we had 11 bullpen arms come into the game yesterday between the Mariners and the A's. And that's the thing I was saying mm -hmm. yesterday in the postgame show. I'm going, this is not a watchable game. This is three hours and 16 minutes of just watching bullpen guy after bullpen guy after bullpen guy. Here's the and kicker to this. I mean, that's a lot of pitchers, right? Yeah. And it's not even the expanded rosters like we usually see. Oh, yeah. They only expanded the roster by two. If they expanded the roster by eight or nine, we, you would have seen probably five more. And that's why I was comparing it to other sports. I'm like, think about football now with every quarterback and shotgun winging it around the yard, you know, basketballs flying up and down, shooting threes, dunking, hockey, you're slamming guys into the board, shooting pucks. And what's our game? Well – our game is 11 different times of managers coming out. and. Okay, so you, you work around this game every single day, so it gets monotonous. But if you bring your kid to the game and you got a chance in between pitches to have conversations, that you can't, you can't replace that, right? That's a good point. How, how about a dad and his daughter finding ways to spend that much time together and have conversations? I could think of it maybe if she picks up golf, you know, that they might be able to get in the cart for nine holes – and the only other one I can really think of without a bunch of noise and stuff going on nonstop is baseball. So I think there's good and bad to the pace. I would like to – I'd love to see a pitch clock to quicken it up to, to a certain degree and to keep most of these games to closer to three hours than three and a half. But it still lends itself to a lot of good conversations and relationships, I, I think, can flourish because of the, the pace of the game. The pitch clock is working in the minor leagues. That's what I've heard. And – you know, and they, they got a bunch of kids down there also throwing 98. Because the thing is, like, you think that these pitchers are throwing so hard every single time mm -hmm. that that's why they slow down. But in the minor leagues, they're throwing hard, too. And this pitch count is keeping the games under three hours. Right. You know, and I think it'll work. I think, you know, you golf, and you know that you play with some guys that are really slow, and they'll take the worst. three <laughs> warm-up swings, or they'll line up their putt for three or four minutes, and you're just looking at your watch. and. Frankly, when there's a, a slow pitcher for the Astros, I look around. I see Altuve biting his fingernails. I see Correa looking down at the – you know, everybody's bored, even on their own team. And I think there's a lot of pitchers, because they haven't been told that they're slow, are slow and they don't know it. And I think if they get that pitching clock out there, they'll start to realize that they were part of the problem. How important was it for you when you got on the mound to understand that the rhythm and the pace of a game – only helps your defense behind you. Yeah, you know, and I know these guys have heard this their entire life. I really get back to this thing. Is I think a lot of pitchers don't realize they're as slow as they are. I think they have this routine, and I think they're thinking through whatever process they're trying to go through to, to be able to make that next pitch, and I just think it paralyzes some guys to get back on, on top of the rubber and not stray and, and do all these things that we're seeing guys do in between pitches. And I, I, I've wondered about some of the better pitchers in the game when their managers try and take them out early. Because I remember back in the day, 
and, and you remember in your era, guys would they'd fight a manager. You're mm-hmm. not taking me out. You know, there's always Ray Fossey always tells the story about Gaylord Perry where he'd look at the manager and go, Patna, the guy down there is not as good as me. Yeah. I'm not coming out. Like, how much do these young starters need to fight to be able to stay out there longer? I think it comes down to money. And I think a lot of these pitchers realize the more I'm out there really fresh, the better my numbers are going to be. And the better my numbers are, the more money I'm going to get paid. So if I have a guy that's throwing 100 miles per hour come in after me, if I have a couple of runners on, that might help my numbers in, in the long run. And I think a lot of these guys are fine with that. That's I think that's the way it's driven, though. You know, and I, I don't want to knock on this game and, and be the old guys, but I think that's where that, that stems. You know, you, you hear – you hear stories of agents telling players about war. So wins above replacement and what numbers matter most. And, and war really dictates how, you know, how much a, a player is going to get paid and how much he's worth you know, to, a, to a team in free agency. So a lot of times, I don't know if you knew this, but if somebody steals a base and gets a stolen base, that, that's a good statistic. But if he gets caught stealing, that dings his war more than he gets uh, – he gets award, rewarded for it if he gets the stolen base. So it doesn't make sense for a lot of these guys to run if, if their war is going to suffer if they don't make it at a really high clip. I'll tell you a guy that doesn't worry about that, Starling Marte. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, and I love that. Star, it, it, Starling's going, and he's letting you know. He's letting everybody know, hey, I'm going. I'll tell you this. It's, it's the biggest reason I like the postseason the most because statistics don't matter and you see a better team game. See, that, that, you know, we, we have asked, it's like, how do you, what is the formula to calculate war? What is the exact, like, no one really knows what this formula is. Well, they do, but it's just too complicated to, to verbalize. I mean, you, you could get out there and, and, and put the, plug all those numbers in, but it's going to take you a long time, and it's really nerdy, and who wants to do it? But there's people who can calculate those. It, it's out there, and um, that's how these guys are getting paid. They, they, they realize that. Okay, there's predictors out there. If I just continue to hit the ball hard, it doesn't matter what my average is. It doesn't matter whatever. Like my predictors say that my hard hit percentage or my barrel rate and all these, they, they, these guys to, our, to the right of us right here understand all of those numbers. But in the playoffs, it changes. I'm telling you, you see it is guys play an unselfish game. It looks a, a lot more like the game that, that uh, we were watching in the 1970s and 80s where it's, you know, You'll lay one down. You'll do. You, you'll steal a base when it matters. Uh, you'll do whatever it takes to win because those are usually one-run ball games, and the little things matter. That is a. That's an. It's. It, it's sad, but it's an excellent point. And, and I can't wait to kind of like focus on that because mm-hmm. it's hard for me to believe that these guys truly know everything about their analytics. But I understand that's how you get paid. I mean, this is a business, and you're trying to take care of your family. Yep. I, I think for you, like when you were warming up in the bullpen, what were your thoughts about that start? I'm sure it just wasn't five innings, five and dive. No. Um, mine, mine was to complete the game. I felt like as a knuckleball pitcher, that was my niche on that team is, you know, I'm not going to have the best ERA because there's going to be days where I'm going to walk seven and, and strike out five or, or whatever it is, but I'm going to go out there and make everybody else's starts in the rotation a little bit better because I kept the bullpen more fresh because I went seven, eight, nine innings uh, quite a bit because I could I could throw more pitches. You know, we're talking about potentially expansion going on. Baseball wants to go to 32 teams, mm-hmm. and obviously they got to get the A's healthy. they got to get the Rays healthy. But I'm thinking 32 teams. 
Is there enough arms in baseball? There's enough arms. There's just an, not enough strike throwers. So the a lot of these arms are, are rushed to the major leagues because they can uh, accumulate so much swing and miss. And that's what everybody's kind of figured out in these front offices is that swing and miss takes the chance out. You know, you're not rolling the dice by somebody putting the ball in play if you can strike them out. And if you walk them from time to time, so be it. But they'll take their chances by the strikeouts. The Astros in 2015 – uh, won the wild card against the New York Yankees. Then they faced the Royals, and they refused to strike out. And the Astros couldn't get them out. They were, they were just, I think it was four outs away from going to the championship series. And that was the year that the, the Royals uh, went all the way. But they just kept putting it in play. And the Astros, you know, was two or three inches away from Correa or Altuve. Is this everything, there's just too much chance. And the Astros realized we don't have enough pitchers in our bullpen to get swing and miss. We've got to get guys who can can strike people out because we cannot continue to roll the dice and, and, and rely that our defensive positioning is going to be perfect every time. Yeah, everybody coming out of the pen these days looks like they're throwing 98, That's 99 why. to 100. And That's it is exactly what it why. Is. They're, they're, they're out there to strike them out. So do you think we'll ever see a chance for a knuckleballer again? Yes. So Bob Melvin, two years ago uh, in Houston, tossed me a baseball. And he goes, you think you could throw a knuckleball with this? I said, no. This is pre before the game, after his little uh, media session. I said, no. And I didn't realize. He gave me a game ball, and it was hard as rock. It was just like a cue ball. It was slick. It was hard. You know, nothing to be able to dig your fingernails into. And that's why the ball was flying out of the ballpark, oh, all yeah. that stuff. But the, the major leagues went to that opposite end of the spectrum to get the ball flying out of the ballparks to score more runs. But because of that, there was no way somebody could throw a knuckleball. There is no way that you could grip it consistently Because you enough. can't dig your fingernails into it? You can't dig your it? fingernails into it and even get a grip. It's just like a, a, a cue ball almost. So I, I know just by grabbing a ball here every once in a while is I know that they've softened the ball. And we're not seeing the ball you know, go out of the ballpark like we did two years ago, let alone last year. And I think there will be a comeback at some point. I mean, it's just different. Everybody's looking for – variety in something different you know right now it's the spin everybody wants to see somebody with unordinary spin whether it's the fastball or the curve the slider or something unique about the way they throw the ball and they want to take advantage of that and i think that the knuckleball plays into that i think somebody will will, will get back into the big leagues and have some success and then we'll see a lot more teams follow suit Let, let's end on this we know you got to get ready for your broadcast uh what's it been like traveling again it's been good. You know, it's, it's a little different. Obviously, we go to different cities, and is it, there's a different policy in just about every city we go to. Seattle's been buttoned up quite a bit, Chicago as well. San Francisco, uh, when we play the A's, we, we stay in San Francisco. They's, they've been buttoned up. But I'll tell you, Texas is the wild, wild west. You know, um, some of these other cities we've been to have been um, a lot more free as far as what we do and where we go. Uh, and, it, and it matters what you have on your butt, your badge, uh, what kind of access you have. But these players for the last year and a half are, are very used to uh, the Zoom calls now and, and to, to be able to kind of navigate their way through that. And I think they'll probably fight for that in the CBA. So it might be a little tougher for us to, to get the access that we're, you know, that we kind of enjoyed for so many years. Well, it is great to see you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, I mean, We're like, having fun, man. I, I love this job. I love the game. Yeah. And, you know, I love the A's organization. I love Oakland, the Coliseum. I love all of this uh, about this. It's kind of a shame. I understand, 
you know, some of the politics of what's going on here. And I just hope things get ironed out and, and the fans can enjoy a, a really good product, man. This A's team has a lot of great players, and it's, uh, you know, they're not completely out of it mathematically, but uh, uh, the last couple of weeks I, I know it's been hard on everybody. Well, we always appreciate the time. Coming up next, it's the David Force Show right here on A's Cast Live. This is A's fan and A's noise host, Elena Matsorkis. You're listening to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Fan Appreciation Weekend, the last three games of the 2021 homestand. Hopefully we'll be able to maybe have some playoff games here, but for the regular season, this is it. And at firework night, and it's beautiful out here at the Coliseum. It's now time for the general manager show, the David Force Show. And David, good to see you. How are you doing? What's up, Chris? I, I like your optimism. That's the right way to go into the weekend is still thinking about playoff games. Well, you, you got nothing to lose, right? <laughs> That's right. You don't, you don't lose anything being optimistic. How tough was that, though? You win five in a row, you feel great coming home, and then lose four straight to the Mariners. Yeah, it was not our uh, not our four finest days, unfortunately. And it came at a bad time. And, look, that's a team that, for some reason, we've had trouble with all season. Um, it's hard to explain. I think we match up well with them. Um, I mean, we had a tough road with the Rangers this year, too. I mean, we sort of found that in the division that, that some of these teams we just did not play our best baseball against. At the same time, we went 15-4 and four against the Angels, who, you know, obviously missing a couple of their big guys, but, you know, they've held their own against most of these teams. So it, it's hard to explain uh, and really hard to watch the last four days, unfortunately. You know, Chris Bassett was on earlier, and he just said, you know what, when you run into a hot team in Major League Baseball, teams are so good and you're not hot, you're in trouble. For sure. For sure. And, and you know, it, it's interesting to think about us not being hot because, like you said, we came off five wins. Um, you know, not easy wins. I mean, the two games we won in Kansas City, we had to battle. And then, uh, for whatever reason, we, we held on in Anaheim. But, uh, but yeah, they are, they are hot. They're playing well. They've got a good formula right now. Uh, they've got starters who keep them in the game. And then they've got a bullpen who's throwing really well. When, when they're ahead. And, and we know how well that's worked for us over the course of the season when we played well, and that's, that's what we ran into. By the time their, their bullpen got into those four games, we just didn't have enough time to get back in it. You know, I think about Chris Bassett getting on that mound. I know we talked about Chris and, you know, how everybody was pulling for him. And just what that mean for you to see him go through everything that he's gone through and to be back on the mound? It was really emotional, and it was, it was a – triumph honestly for a lot of people and a lot of parts of this organization i mean chris chris first and foremost worked his butt off to get back and and never i think from probably the time nick got him to the hospital that night he never doubted he was going to get back out there this quickly or, or sooner so uh he deserves a lot of credit but you look at our our medical people our athletic training staff our strength and conditioning people the the pitching folks who put the plan together like th that is sort of what an organization does at its best is get someone like Chris back out on the mound and I was really really proud of a lot of people yesterday and you know having him stand right here and really getting to see him I mean you can tell he had surgery yeah I mean you can it, it's not like Chris is, looks like the same guy I mean there's a difference there so I, you realize just how serious this was. Yeah, you can see it. And, and and the whole world got to see it when he sent out that tweet yesterday with those pictures, which, you know, I had seen, 
but you kind of you kind of forget about them when when you see him walking around here every day and like you said he doesn't he doesn't look like he did before but he looks like himself and you forget a little bit about those images and what he went through and then to have him throw them out there again uh, I think was a sort of probably cleansing for him to kind of put it behind him and, and realize what he had accomplished getting back out there you know what people don't realize is someone in your situation we just think of general managers of guys you're you're, you're signing free agents you're trading guys you're crunching data and that's all you guys do but you got to take care of people and when there's like a crisis like what happened where i said to chris i mean it's not not often we see emts come onto the field I mean, you got to take care of these people. I mean, yeah. that that that's part of your job. I think people don't realize. And I've talked about, you know, you guys uh, keeping people safe through COVID. I mean, there's more than just I want to say data that you have to do and take care of this organization. Right. No, you're you're right. And and look, the the public part of what we do is putting the team on the field and making trades and signing guys. And that is, you know, that is the very public part. The the other side of it is is managing an organization full of people who you you care about, you have relationships with, and and that has been more evidence in the last 18 months that at, at any point that I've been in this job. Um, and when something like this happens with Chris, it does feel like, and I think I said this to the media the next day or so, like it feels like you've been through something very traumatic and all your people have too. And it, you know, you, you watch this, you went through it, you know, the players and the staff. I, you know, I thank the staff the next day for getting the players through that game because they had to carry them through that. Like there's all these people who are affected um, and it is, it's a big part of it. So like I said, for me to see Chris on the mound yesterday, first of all, what it means to the team is great. Like it gives everybody a boost when you, you try and put your best 28 guys out there. Like he's a part of that. That's great. But it also means that so many other people worked hard, were able to sort of put this traumatic thing behind them and, and turn it into something good. Obviously losing your best guy it is traumatic. How yeah. much do you think that that affected the team overall? It it's hard to say. I mean, there's a snowball effect, no doubt. When you lose your ace and you lose not only his performance every fifth day, but the the domino effect it has on using the bullpen and all these things, it's it's hard to quantify. Um, but I think we all felt it the last month for sure. And and that's look, it's part of the game. Everybody has to overcome injuries and and sort of make transactions and and pick it up, but. Yeah, that was a tough one. I mean, you, you, you think about the last two months and you, lo you lose Ramon to suspension and then you lose Bass. And those are also two of your emotional leaders. I mean, that we've heard time and time again what Ramon brings to the dugout and to the field and all these things. And, and Chris does the same thing. On the days that he's not pitching, I'd be hard-pressed to find somebody more vocal in that dugout, more responsible for sort of the emotion of the team. And when you lose him, excuse me, there's a tractor going by. Um, <laughs> when you lose Chris on top of that, that, that has an effect. He was physically gone for a couple weeks, just having to stay back in Chicago. And that's, that's a hole you need, to, you need to replace. See, that's the great thing about doing the show on the field. You get the reality <laughs> of what is going on here at Ricky Henderson Field is, yes, a tractor just went by. You know, you talk about bullpens, and it just seems they're just really fickle. Year to year. Like, I mean, it was a couple of years ago, you know, Blake Tryon had one of the greatest years we'd ever seen by a closer, Lou Trevino, and then we were thinking that's going to be the strength of the bullpen, and it wasn't as good as the year before. Why, why is it so hard to build a consistent bullpen? 
Those guys are just by nature unpredictable. They have a really hard job. They have so little margin for error. And when they're really good, you want to use them every single night. I mean, the, the, the starters have this sort of built-in bubble where you know you can't use them, but every fifth day, no matter how good they are, when the relievers are good, you want them out there every night. And, and you use guys a lot. And it's just it's sort of one of the hazards of the job that guys are going to wear down. And, and you mentioned Blake and um, as great as he was that year and then came back and struggled next year. The, the guys who sort of struggle after being really good, that's sort of the norm. The exceptions are the Mariano Rivera's and the, the, you know, the, the big-time closers, the, the Kimbrels. And you look out, to even a guy like Chapman, who's pretty consistent year to year, he has his struggles. Like there's only a handful of guys up on that sort of hill of relievers who are consistent and elite every single year. I mean, Liam Hendricks, talk about a guy who was inconsistent for a long time and was good and was not, was a starter, was a reliever. Like, it's a hard job to do out there, and it's it's hard to find a guy who can physically hold up year in, year out. I think Liam's a great example because you think, you know, the guys you're talking about like uh, Eckersley, a Goose Gossage, a Raleigh Fingers. Right, you a, have to go back 20-plus years Trevor Hoffman. to find these they're guys. Hall, they're Hall of Famer. Lee Smith, these right. guys are Hall of Famers, right? And then I think of Liam. Liam was DFA'd. Yep. Next thing you know, he's starting the wild card game. Then he's on the cover of the media guide, and now he's getting the largest contract ever for a reliever. Right. I mean, that that that's crazy. That's hard to predict. That That is going to make any front office person's job pretty hard to figure out when when you know guys uh, can sort of go up and down like that. And, again, it's just it's the nature of the bullpen. It's such, such a short stint. It's such a small margin for error. So, obviously, the percentage isn't good for the A's to make the postseason. But we're going to keep hope. Yes, we will. One winning streak away, you never know. But what? Uh, let's just say the A's are eliminated. How do you watch these last few games? What are you looking for? Oh, you're always playing for something. The, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Guys you know, guys on the field are playing for contracts. They're playing for jobs next year. We're, look, we're making decisions. I mean, you are always playing for something. You know, Fortunately for us, it's been a few years since we've played games uh, that, you know, essentially weren't for playoff contention. But um, but there's a lot of, you know, there are a lot of personal things guys are playing for. You know, guys want to get to a certain number of homers or guys want to get to plate appearances or batting average. So the benefit, the benefit of that is, like, individual goals usually help the team in this game. So I think you'll find, you know, all these teams that, uh, that aren't playing necessarily for playoffs, they've got something to play for. You know, we always talk in baseball, the minute the final out of the season, that's when you start selling next year. Mm -hmm. That's when you start going to your sponsors. That's when we got to get a David Ford sponsor, for God's sakes, next season. <laughs> um, but for you, how does that work? How much are you thinking about watching these games and thinking about next season? Yeah, it's it, the process has started. I mean, particularly with the minor leagues ending, instructional league going on, thinking about the fall league and the scouts doing their end-of-the-year meetings, player development. That, that process has definitely started over the past few weeks. And, um, you know, it, it's sort of organization-wide. So we won't wait until the last out of the last game to, to start having those conversations. They're already they're ongoing. And, and, again, anything that happens over the next nine games certainly influences, 
you know, how we think about the offseason, how we think about guys for next year. So in the fifth inning, I always have to do a minor league report brought to you by Kaiser Permanente. Yeah. And all of a sudden I picked up the minor league sheet and, and realized. there's only one game. No one's playing. I'm going to cover this minute. Um, just overall, how do you think it went after a bunch of these guys didn't play last yeah. year? What, what, how did it go? Look, I think getting to the end of the season was a success in itself. I, I talked to a number of the, the minor league managers when their seasons ended and said, look, six months ago, if you had told me we were going to play 100-plus games and get all these guys essentially a full season, I would have been ecstatic. And, and that's what we did. I mean, we had a couple COVID bumps in Stockton and Arizona. We managed it well. I thought the, the athletic trainers did an outstanding job. And, and to get so many guys essentially a full minor league season is a huge win and really puts them back on track in terms of development. We, we just were so sort of lost after 2020 and, and what do you think of guys and what can you expect and now at least we're back on like a normal track normal conversations about what guys are it, it, it's a huge step forward for development i'm with you i thought there was no way these kids riding around in buses yeah. and COVID out there and then the delta variant came out of nowhere I thought there was no way you guys were going to get a season. Right. To get them, I mean, yeah, you hear stuff, particularly in July and August with Delta stuff, you're like, oh, there's no way we make it. So to get to, whatever, September 20th, the, the A ball and the AA teams, and now the AAA team going all the way through October 3rd, it's a, a huge win. And, and, again, to go back to our earlier point, just an organizational accomplishment that I'm really proud of our, our athletic trainers, our coaches, our managers, to get these guys through a full season. Yeah, you guys should be because uh – I mean, we just look around the world what's been happening. Uh, give me the big positives from the minor league season for you. You know, a number of guys, really, like I said, really took steps forward and, uh, and got to play. You look at some of the names, uh, you know, Jonah Bride, Max Schumann, uh, Colin Palouse, these guys who were sort of in no man's land really took steps forward as prospects. Um, so those are some of the names that jump out. And the guys from, frankly, the guys from the 19 draft, finally got to play a full season. Logan Davidson, their first-round pick in 2019, spent all summer last year at the alt site, finally gets to play a, a full season. Nick Allen starts out in double-A, plays on the Olympic team, has an incredible experience in the qualifier going to Tokyo, gets to triple-A. You know, all of these things are such huge steps forward. Uh, and then our new draft class, to, to have a group of 20 guys come in in the middle of July, go down to Arizona, and a lot of them get out to full season ball um, and take a step. Guys, you know, Zach Geloff and Brett Harris, you know, some of these guys who are going to be on prospect lists, really fun to see. I'm looking forward to going down to Instructional League to see them in person. And, um, again, just to be talking about the minor leagues as a, a normal thing on a normal schedule is, is really where we all wanted to be. Yeah, we went down to San Jose and saw Geloff. He's an athletic big kid, and he's uh, – he can swing. It really was impressive. Im really impressive debut. Rico Bronia just raved and raved about him as, as a kid, as a leader. And then when you see he can do a little bit of everything on the field, he's, he's going to be fun to watch. I know this is going to be tough to answer, but getting back to really normalcy, yeah. draft, amateur baseball, minor leagues, when do you think we'll see that? Do you think it's anytime soon? It is hard. It is hard. And then, you know, obviously your, your question is kind of about COVID, but – we also have a, a CBA discussion that's going to linger over the off season. So there, there's still a lot of uncertainty. We, we feel really good about 21 and, and having played, but 
There, there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding us right now. I, I'd love to say 22 is going to be a totally normal year. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, I just think about the CBA, and I say there's so much money out there. I mean, everybody's <laughs> doing so well. All the top players, for the most part, other than, like, Juan Soto, they all have contract extensions. I mean, <laughs> come on. Don't mess this thing up. Right, I've got enough on my plate. I can't handle that, too. So you and I will find out at the same time what happens. Does that change how you do business in the offseason? I, I don't know yet. We'll see when we get there. All righty, great stuff as always. And, yes, we're getting you a sp- I'm getting you a great. sponsor great. for next season for you coming on. We always appreciate the time, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, see you, Chris. The David Forrest Show right here on A's Cast Live. Hey, this is A's fan and co-creator and member of The Last Dive Bar, Brian Johansson, and you're listening to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Ah, I love that guy. You see him out in left field with the pins, and he also is the guy that does the uh, Razor Ramon. Laser Ramon. Remember the great Razor Ramon? Hola, Chico. <laughs> Come on. Of course I do. And then he went to NWA, right? NWO. NWO. He went, he became, he went from Razor Ramon to Scott Hall. Scott Hall. All right, let's do a little buying or selling. Uh, one second. Oh, well, well, well. Not ready, huh? It's time for buying or selling. Sold, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. All right, so the other day we were talking about Johnny Lesta and uh, how 200 is the new 300. And, well, he got his 200th career win. He's now 217 in his career. He has a 44.5 war. He's won three World Series, and he has one no-hitter to his career. He has a 3.63 ERA, and he has 2,478 career strikeouts. He's the 30th left-hander to reach 200 wins. But the better question is, is he a Hall of Famer? Now, if you look at Jaws, established by Jay Jaffe from Fangraphs, if you look at Jaws, which it looks at war, and then you have war plus seven, your best seven years of your average. Jay Jaffe? Yeah, so... Lester's at 39.7. Now, the guy's pl- pitching right now. Verlander's at 60.8. He's going He's going in. Uh, Kershaw, he's a 61. He's going to go in. Granke, 60.7. Um, he's going to go in. I think so. You don't think so. Uh, we established I think he's going in. Adam Wainwright's at 40.5, so he's already better than his yeah. teammate, John Lester. So his war seven, his, the sum of your best seven years is 34.6. Verlander's is 49.9, just to give you a little context. So buying or selling, John Lester will eventually get into the Pro Baseball Hall of Fame. I, I'm just going to say, if it just off the top of my head, I say no. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. But my standards have to change if the game's changing. Aren't, aren't our standards going to have to change if pitchers aren't getting to 200 wins? If he's one of the last pitchers ever to get 200 wins, doesn't that say something? Yeah, like... And he was good in the post. John Lester was good in the postseason. Won three World Series, yeah. Yeah. Steve Sparks was saying how many guys are going to reach 200 innings this year? Two? One of them, one of them is Adam Wainwright, and he's 40. That just shows you right there. So now, now, does that change? Does it does it revert somewhat back next year? Where now we're going to have 10 to 15 guys with over 200 innings, or is this new baseball? Because this, this is this is scary to think if you're not going to be getting 200 innings out of guys, you're, I mean, your bullpen better be really, really, really strong. 
Yeah, no, I think I think it's going to say the same. And I was just checking out how my Pirates are beating Hembo's Phillies, trying to crush their playoff chances. Uh, speaking of the Astros, and uh, they're in town. The 2021 Astros are closing it on the well, – I hate to say it, they're closing it on the ALS title. They are. It is what yeah, it is. They're, they're looking for – they already clinched their sixth playoff berth in seven years. Dusty Baker is in his second season as a manager, but it could be his last. What? Which is shocking, yeah. D-Bake? He's not been resigned yet by the team. The 72-year-old manager, and he's 12th all-time in wins. He apparently has a good working relationship with James Click, the GM, but he may. But they what about may prefer Jim Crane, the owner. Uh, I don't. I, probably has. I mean, he re, he rebuilt the reputation and image of the team in two years. Can you imagine they do Dusty dirty like that? Like oh. Dusty comes in, Dusty takes all the bullets, Dusty helps you survive, and then you kick him to the curb. Would you be surprised? So. Uh, so apparently they maybe look for someone younger, like someone from the Rays, because Click came from the Rays. In July, Dusty told reporters that in his first season with the Astros, he felt like a substitute teacher and that he was building relationships when the sport was shut down due to COVID. This year, I feel like the teacher, he said, I feel like I'm one of them. Buying or selling, Dusty, Dusty Baker will be the Astros manager in 2022. Can I say incomplete? Like, tell me what they do in the postseason. Because I got a feeling how they do in the postseason will will put we'll, we'll see what his future is. Like, if they go out first round, it's see you later. If he takes them to the World Series, you know, who knows? But I think it definitely everything is going to hinge on what they do in the postseason. I, I don't disagree with that, and I, but I do think they're going to look for someone from, like, the race like their bench coach or something like that. Uh, quickly, Yankees are upset. Who are we rooting for? In I don't, I don't, don't even. Are we rooting for Yankees or Red Sox? You Garrett, gotta, you Garrett, got, Garrett Cole's on the mound. You got to root for uh, the Red Sox, and they're down 7 nothing. Well, but the Red Sox already have a commanding lead for that third, for that first spot in the wild card. So yeah, and the Jays you get, are Yeah, you, gotta, you just got to say, okay, Red Sox, the, the wild card game is going to be at Fenway Park. It's who's now going to be in it. Is it going to be the Yankees? Is it going to be the Jays? Is it going to be the Mariners? Or could it be the A's? Well, we'll see. By the way, there's a 0.2% chance for the A's to get to the postseason. There's a number out there. I'm just going to throw the number 500 million out there at you. And there's a player that could get that deal. We'll talk about it on Monday. Oh, is that a tease? That's a tease, baby. What, when, when are we on on Monday? Uh, 4 o'clock because we're playing Seattle. 4 o'clock? Yeah. All right, what are, we, what are we airing next? We're going to play Green and Gold History with the last episode of Memories with Voos. The last thing we got to update A's Unfiltered, too. Yeah, we got a lot to do. We got a lot to do. You got to pick your game up here at the end of the year. Season's not over yet, Cody. All right. We're going to have a little green and gold history for you next. We want to thank David Force. We want to thank Steve Sparks. And we want to thank the great Chris Bassett for coming on today. That's what you get. That's the kind of lineup you get. Great job today, Cody. And uh, we'll be back at 540 for a little A's Total Access. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.